City on the Edge, we have a special crime report with uh, yeah, with Ty Bannerman and me, Nora Hickey, and our special guest, Albuquerque Journal crime reporter, Elise Kaplan. Hi, Elise. Hi. How long Hi. have you been working for the, for the journal? About three years now. Okay. How long have you been kind of a, a journalist? About four years. Four years. Yeah. Okay. So you've been at different places. Um, where were you before um, the journal? I did some stuff with the with the weekly alibi. Um, I freelanced a little bit with uh, the New Mexico Compass. And then I was at the Mountain View Telegraph, which is a really small paper yeah. out in the East Mountains. Yeah. Uh, for about a year, and then I came to the Journal. Okay. And have you been on crime at the Journal since you started there? Yeah, I was actually hired as the night cops reporter. So um, for a long time, I did the crime beat at night, and now I do it during the day. So, so what kind of hours were you working when you were the night beat reporter? Like 1.30 to 10.30 or 11 at night, and then oh. any... Oh, like 1.30 p.m. to okay. 10.30 p.m. Right. So um, our, your, our paper went to, to print around midnight, so... Okay. Um, okay. That was kind of cut off. So you caught the last late night. Did you have to, like, go out and, and visit crime scenes and stuff at, at 10.30 at night? I spent a lot of time in the southeast Albuquerque at, like, 11 o'clock at night wow. by myself. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we, the reason we, uh, we asked you to come on here is uh, I feel like if we go back to January 29th of uh, 2016 on uh, Nextdoor.com, Wes Jackson of Sandia Ridge posted uh, what, I, what I think of as a sort of prophetic um, uh, post, uh, an alert for all, for all neighbors on uh, Nextdoor.com. This is, you know what Nextdoor.com is? Oh, yeah. I can't. Stay away from uh, it. Yeah, it's Facebook for your neighborhood, basically. So you get to find out all your wacky neighbors and all their wacky opinions. But on uh, January 29, 2016, Wes Jackson wrote, Crime! Three excla- exclamation points. Be on the lookout for crime and criminals. That's the alert right there. That's the whole alert. And at the time, I laughed it off. And now I feel like... I feel like... <laughs> I feel like Wes Jackson right now because I feel like every single time I um, I turn on the internet, look at a newspaper, it's filled with terrifying stories. And I, I feel like that's kind of always been the case, but suddenly it seems way more so. Like the crime in Albuquerque seems um, high to a point, at a higher point than it has been for a lot of the time that I've lived here. Am I crazy? Is everything actually just fine, Elise? Unfortunately, no. I don't think you're crazy at all, and neither is Wes. That's yeah. very true. There is crime and criminals all around us, um, unfortunately. Uh, crime has been rising for the past several years. Um, the 90s were really bad, and then it mm-hmm. kind of got, got a lot better in like the early 2000s. Um, we've seen pretty consistently for the past eight or nine years or so. That's okay. So it is a real thing that's actually happening. Um, what kind of crime is going up? 
uh, both property crime and violent crime. Oh. So, you know, all across the board. My favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Is there um, any other type of crime? I'm not sure there are. Maybe tax <laughs> fraud? White, yeah. white collar oh, uh, yeah. corporate crime. Yeah. I don't know how we're doing on, like, white collar crime. But <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I'm less concerned about that. There's less crime. posts about that. Online. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're not like, watch out, I saw a CEO in the neighborhood. It looked like he was looking for a tax loophole. Um, okay, so this is a real thing. And so you're saying that we have seen crime rates rising kind of sounds like across the board. Yeah, so um, in particular, like we're now number one in the nation for car thefts. Car theft, um, okay. Which you may know already if you or everybody you know has a story about getting their car stolen or their car broken into. I feel like I, well, I found out my car got rifled through. Is it rifled or riffled? I say rifled. It got rifled through the other night. Um, Wait, it did? Yeah, it did. It was parked on the street, and uh, I've mentioned before, I don't lock my car doors because I don't want somebody to break my car window, because that would be... that's like your number one crime rule that you told me. Yeah, (laughs) that is... Car unlocked and don't leave. Right. That's my number one crime precaution. So. And, you know, as a result, anyway, if we can assume, if we can uh, say that this person who went through my car was dead set on doing so, um, the damage that I suffered was I had to put everything back into my glove compartment and I lost probably, you know, buck, buck 50 and quarters. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't have to pay for a, a broken window. Maybe that's like a defeatist kind of attitude, but I feel like um, I feel like that's kind of just the reality of my neighborhood. Yeah. Um, another thing that I've noticed is that people who have their cars stolen often seem to find them again. Is that something that you have seen as a crime reporter for the yeah. journal? Like yeah. Anecdotally, I hear about that a lot. I don't have any kind of data on how much you're going to recover or anything like that, but almost every time I talk to someone who's a, had the car stolen and B, gotten it back, they say it's disgusting. Like, oh, really? Uh, they actually recommend that you don't touch anything because there might be needles in it um, or Good to know. communicable diseases. Don't, like, get your car back and then stick your hands into the... <laughs> cushions, you know, into the cracks. Well, that's, like, that's not a good idea. <laughs> but I that's think. how I, like, reestablish my bonds with my car. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So why are people stealing? They're stealing it for, in that case, is that, like, so they have a place to do drugs that are is kind of sh- uh, safe, or... Maybe, or uh, like maybe doing it to you know have some place to hang out, or maybe yeah. like as a joyride, or to sell those cars, kind of flip them themselves. Um, right. This is also just kind of anecdotal. I don't know for sure, but almost every single arrest that I see for a stolen car, also when they arrest someone who's stolen a car or is in possession of a stolen car, that person is almost always also has heroin or meth on them. Oh, okay. So mm-hmm. it seems like those two are pretty linked. So some connection. Yeah. <laughs> right. Seems like it's safe. Okay. So I have to say, though, as, as an Albuquerque citizen, I'm not necessarily all that... It would suck to have my car stolen and never find it again, or find it again with a bunch of needles in it, but that's not the kind of thing that keeps me up at night. Um, the kind of thing that keeps me up at night is, of course, violent crime. And so you're saying that you're seeing numbers for that rising as well. Is there a particular kind of violence that uh, that is being perpetrated that's going up, or... Um, or what? Um, or is it all kinds? <laughs> well, murders are definitely going up. Um, okay. Last year in 2016, we had 61 murders, which is the highest amount that we've had since um, 1997. 
Um, wow. Yeah. Highest in 20 years. Yeah. And then, but per capita, it's a little adjusted. It's like the highest per capita since 2002. So to be fair, it's not. Oh. Okay. Maybe not the worst in 20 years, but at least the worst in 15 years. Still pretty uh, bad. Still, still pretty bad. Still yeah. not great. And um, warmers is definitely bad. Yeah. And shootings are also going up. Um, you know, like just non-fatal shootings um, where you get injured or maybe you don't even get hit, but someone fired a gun and mm-hmm. police got called. Um, okay. So we know those are going up too. Do you think gun ownership is going up, or legal and illegal, just in general, and people have more guns? I think so. Um, I don't know for sure, but it seems like that, that makes sense. Um, there's just more guns on the market, and that's probably true for across the U.S., too, right. um, not just here. Right. Um, but it is really easy to get a gun in, Al- in New Mexico and in Albuquerque, so that might have something to do with it. It is always weird to, yes, yeah, sometimes I go to Walmart, but to see the gun display, and like, this yeah. is where I buy my Cheetos. <laughs> you know? right. Buy Cheetos or or uh, AR fifteen? Is that yeah. A, yeah? Yeah, it's really easy to get a gun. And so when we're talking about like violent uh, like shootings and murders and so forth, um, is there a particular like who who's being murdered? Who's who's being shot? Um. People all across the board are being killed. Yeah. <laughs> you are not oh answering my God. these questions with the answers. Yeah, I want you to say yeah. people totally different than you, Ty. Yeah, not at all people just like you guys. Okay, okay. Only people who look nothing like you guys. <laughs> oh, nothing oh like you guys. Um, yeah, it's really across the board. Um, we do see some, obviously, like child abuse cases like that, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which are their own kind of special thing. You know, that's definitely... Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't fall into any kind of patterns um, that I know of. Um, and then in terms of, like, adult murders, um, they are, you know, some are just completely random, and some are over drug debts or something like that. But okay. this year we had two taxi cab drivers who were killed, both yeah. stabbed by the people that called them. Um, oh, gosh. That seems like a hard thing to, yeah. to guard against. I can't yeah. imagine what those guys are feeling. Right, um, right. So, okay, so, like, Drug debts and, I guess, people who are engaged in, in crime themselves, um, that's probably not a great sign in general. But again, that's not the kind of thing that's keeping me up at night. Instead, it's more like the random stuff that's going on. So uh, when you say that there's uh, a significant number of random murders and shootings and things, what do, what do you mean by that? What does that look like, generally? So we got the taxi cab drivers, that's bad news right. for, uh, I guess, people who kind of put themselves, you know, they're out there and they're vulnerable, I guess, to that by virtue of going into pick up strangers in their car, right? Right. Um, um, what else do we have? Like, what, what other kinds of random violence? So I was just looking at the data that I keep for myself. Um, so it's pretty complete. It's not, you know... Not super complete, but it's every time there's a murder, I write it down and I like have a little blurb on why it happened. So just looking at that, there's been about 48 murders this year, 25 of which have been solved. Oh. Um, and then looking at the 25 that are solved, because I don't know anything about the other ones. Right. Um, of those 25, nine of them I would count as random. Okay. Um, and that includes the two taxi drivers. There's one guy who was uh, he was asleep in his home in. Um, no, which all great crime stories start that way. Yeah, that's um, terrible. <laughs> he was asleep in his home and somebody broke in. Yeah. And I think he tried to fight them off and ended up getting killed. Um, 
there was oh, there's a guy who's leaving for for work early one morning up in the foothills, a really <laughs> really nice neighborhood. Um, and he was shot and killed, and then they stole his wallet. So right. I think that they were trying to rob him, but yeah, I don't know how he could have possibly. So nine people out of 25, that's, that's pretty serious. That's a little less than, what, 30%? That's, uh, no, it's a little more than 30%. We're, I'm bad at math. I'm not, yeah. I'm not good at math. This is why we need the guys from Breaking Math here to yeah. tell us uh, what it is. But it's, it's a lot of that percentage. Um, admittedly, when you think about it as nine out of 25, that's pretty scary. Mm-hmm. When you think of it as nine out of the entire population of Albuquerque. Right. It's a little less scary. I mean, right. you still... I, yeah, go ahead. No, I think that's a really important point. Like, I think that it, there are lots of random murders. I think it's hard to say, like, how something's going to happen, and you certainly don't want to say that someone deserved it because of what they were doing. Right. Um, though, obviously, we know there's some circumstances that put you in more harm's risk than others. Right. Um, but I never feel afraid walking down the street that I'm just going to get shot and killed. Yeah. Like, I certainly don't want to say that everyone should just be wearing a bulletproof vest and hiding inside. Right. I mean, just right. in terms of the the, yeah. the the raw number of people who are randomly murdered in Albuquerque through like people coming into their house or getting shot in their driveway or whatever compared to the population, the chances are still pretty small that's going to happen to you or me or someone who's not in some kind of lifestyle that's, um, you know, selling drugs or whatever, right? Is that is yeah. that fair to say? I'd say that's fair to okay, say. Okay, good, because I need something <laughs> here after, <laughs> yeah. Do after you think that the murder rate was higher back in the, like, Wild West? That's Pink a Corral days? good question. And random? Do you know about historical data? That all. would be that something would, to... That would be interesting. I read a, when I was in, uh, at UNM as an undergrad, so this was about 97 or so, I read a book about um, that did compare statistical historic data across the country, not specific to New Mexico or anything. And, and generally the crime rate is, the overall crime rate, certainly the violent crime rate, is going down. But right. who knows about, you know, specifically to Albuquerque, specifically this year or whatever, you know. It's hard to, hard to say. Yeah. And then the other comparison is national, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of other cities of similar size or not, but is it com- comparable? Is it worse, better? Um, so looking at the data for last year, I think, because um, every year the FBI releases statistics on it in September. Um, so I was looking at the story that we did last year on it, and it looked like across the country there was a little bit of an increase in violent crime and in poverty, in violent crime. Um, But one of the main reasons for that is cities like Chicago, cities like Baltimore, a couple major cities that really, really had a huge increase. Right. So that kind of messes with with the data a little bit. The overall data. Um, Yeah, but overall, nationwide, we had a little bit of an increase, and Albuquerque had a much bigger increase. Yeah. And that's for both violent crime and so it's definitely yeah, so bad news for Albuquerque. So, um, you know, the, the, the real tough question, I guess, is why? Are there any theories as to why this sort of thing is happening now that you're aware of? Or There's lots and lots and lots of things. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just go on Facebook, <laughs> yeah. go on next door. Yeah. It's Obama, either, I think. Yeah. yeah I think Obama. Or perhaps Trump. Or perhaps you know, Trump. it seems to be, yeah. 
the comment section. Right. I'm sure. Or right. <laughs> many theories. Right, but you can't say on the video. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, no, don't do, don't do that. No. Yeah. Uh, but um, how about anything that has like a, a veneer of, of legitimacy, like something that we could actually say, oh well, you know, in the last few years, Albuquerque's changed its policies in this direction or whatever. Um, is there anything like that that we can look at and say, well, maybe this is happening? Yeah, there are a couple things like that. Um, we've had a decreasing police force um, mm -hmm. in recent years. I think right now um, we're at 850, which is actually, I think, more than we had had in previous years. So it is going up again. Okay. Um, and we're budgeted for about 1,000. So oh. that's like the city saying we'd like to have 1,000 um, based on population and you know how much we can spend and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and so we, we, have we have the money for them. Right. But we don't have the people? What What's going on there? Um. I'm not sure. Okay. Just, I think people just kind of stopped joining APD as much. It's um, kind of got a bad rap right now. It certainly has had troubles in the past and maybe even to the continuing day. But uh, so do you think that's maybe part of it or part of a recruiting yeah. issue there? Yeah. Um, the Department of Justice um, was investigating APD yeah. and came out with their findings. And, you know, it is in a, a department in the midst of a pretty big overhaul and Lots of things are changing, so that could certainly have something to do with it. Right. Um, you know, it could just have something to do with people moving out of state, too. Like, we hear about people moving right. from Albuquerque. Um, maybe that's the same for police officers. Um, but mm. I think that that kind of, like, manifests itself in that you don't see as many police officers driving right. around. Right. Um, They're not know, as visible. Yeah. And I think that that's got to have something to do with it. Lots of people say that has something to do with it. Um, and also feeling like they're maybe not responding in the same same way or following the cases mm -hmm. in the same way. Lots of cases kind of get um, falling through the cracks. People um, tend to say that, you know, I turned over the surveillance video, I turned over all the reports, you know, what happened, nobody got caught. Like, they're like, I know who did it. As we saw like, the green jeans. Right. Burglaries, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's maybe like a question of manpower and then, yeah. like, I guess if people are getting away with kind of the pettier crimes, is that, like, it makes it more likely that they get away with the other crimes, or feel like they can get away with the other crimes, maybe? Yeah, or just that you feel like you can kind of get away with anything. Yeah. Like if you robbed a store, you know, six times and you've never gotten caught, you don't really have a whole lot of incentive not to. Right. So I think that could be one reason. Um, okay. It's certainly a reason that the police union talks about a lot, that other mm -hmm. advocates talk about a lot, that that's... You know, a major thing that's kind of holding us back from, from solving it. Right. Um, and then the other... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just thinking, sorry, of the overall broad, is policing popular? And as a teacher, I've only had one student of memory that was like, I'm going into the police academy. I just don't ever hear it. Yeah. As, you know, that's what I want to do. But I don't know if it's what that's about. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I feel the same way. I don't know very many going that path, but it also probably keeps on selecting. Right. Right. And ironically, I mean, I don't know if it's ironic or not, but I know that uh, from having read articles about um, police violence and police corruption, having lower numbers of police than needed actually leads to more uh, situations where they might resort to violence faster or that they engage in a certain amount of corruption mainly to like because their job is way harder right. if there's fewer policemen and women mm -hmm. then uh, you know 
they they are themselves more vulnerable, and they are they feel the weight of public pressure more and so forth. So I think that's kind of an interesting aspect mm-hmm. to it because of course with all of our you know with all of the problems with the Department of Justice and so forth, policing's probably not super popular as a career path in Albuquerque. Um, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know um, if that's anything to do with the use of force stuff or not. Um, you know that there's some lots of officers out there working really, really hard and Absolutely. racing from call yeah. to call. Yeah. And stretch so thin. Yeah. Just, yeah. I think it is scary, too, when you see, you know, uh, we a couple of years ago in October, um, 2015, there was a police officer who was shot and killed. He pulled over a guy on a stolen bike, yeah. a stolen motorcycle. And, you know, it's just a routine yeah. traffic stop. I think that's got to be scary. Oh, yeah. Knowing absolutely. at any moment it can be right. shot central and ubic as you, you know, do your job. Okay, so that's one possibility <laughs> there. Um, and chances are, you know, if we were to have the omniscience to understand things completely. It would probably be a mix of all sorts of different factors, but uh, what else, what other things are uh, going on that might be contributing to an increase in in crime? Um, So the other big thing that people really point to when they talk about the crime problem is that lots of cases have been dismissed in recent years, Mm -hmm. Um, and that's because of this thing called the case management order that went in about two years ago, I think it was 2015, um, beginning of 2015, Mm because we had the jails were overcrowded. Mm-hmm. There's a big backlog of the district attorney's office. Um, cases just weren't really getting processed. So you'd arrest someone. It could take months before they could go, you know, go to trial. So they're starting to feel like that really wasn't fair. And mm-hmm. in order to have, you know, honor the speedy, the right to a speedy trial, they had to kind of move things along. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, they had this like 10-day limit of like when they can hold them for 10 days and they have to turn over all the evidence in that time. Oh wow! So. That has led to a lot of cases being dismissed um, when they can't turn over the evidence in time, mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. Um, you know, if the DA's office doesn't have the reports, if the, you know, the specimens or whatever didn't come back from the crime lab or something like that. So that's led to a lot of cases getting dismissed, which may then lead people to feel like they can do whatever they want, or right. there's not as many consequences, there's more people getting out on the streets. Um, so that's another really popular theory about why. Yeah why that could be. They're That's betting that there's a possibility that it could get dropped. Yeah. Case, if they get caught. In first ten case. days right. is such a small window, it seems like. I can't grade a student's paper in ten days. <laughs> right. So I can't imagine solving, getting all the material. That yeah. Know, I mean, it's, yeah. a year definitely seems like too long, but ten days seems kind of crazy for, you know, especially if we're dealing with a particularly violent offense. Yeah. And, and what the, that's kind of saying, too, is like if these cases are going to get dropped eventually, then we need to know now, you know, like, they have to, it's not really fair to keep people in jail yeah. indefinitely until they go to trial, because what if the case isn't sound anyway, and if you can't right. turn right. over the reports in 10 days, yeah, maybe it's not so good. So it's, it's a difficult line, it's like constitutional rights, and like, when it happens mm-hmm. to you, you want to be the one that's let out, right? Right. right. So it's a shocking yeah. case, like, you don't want to stay in jail for an unsound case, but then it's also frustrating as a victim to feel like people are just getting out. Sure. Right. Yeah. Okay, so another one that I've uh, I've heard, um, and this is a, this is one from from internet comments. Apparently, judges are just letting people go without bail, and that's so criminals get in, they get to go without bail. Um, is that happening for real, or what's going on there? What's that about? Um, that's not how I'd put it. Okay. Um, a little bit of that is true, um, but I would say 
the more of it's not true. Uh -huh. um, so last November, um, the whole state got to vote on whether or not there was, um, we would allow people to stay in jail if they're deemed too dangerous to be let out until trial. Mm -hmm. um, and that's saying basically like when you're arrested for some really heinous crime, um, instead of the judge saying, well, pay a hundred million, pay a hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars cash only, and then you get out of jail. Um, you still go to trial, right. but you do get out of jail in the meantime. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, in this case now, they can just kind of, they can, the DA can ask for them to keep the person in jail until trial if they're deemed dangerous enough. Okay, so that actually sounds like the opposite of what I was saying, so... Yeah, so the, well, so the amendment has two parts. And the other part is that if you're really poor and have no money at all, they can't keep you in jail on a low-level crime just because you can't pay to afford it. Okay. But that um, doesn't mean that the case won't go in front of the judge, right? Right, that yes, and no time are these cases getting like thrown out, dropped. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so people, I think, think of bond, you know, you pay bond or you don't have bond and you're let out of jail. That doesn't mean the case is dismissed. That just right. means that you get to walk around among the rest of us while the mm -hmm. case is, before the case goes to trial. And you said a low-level kind of crime, so what would that include? It's usually nonviolent stuff, but it's also for people who don't have a big criminal history. Mm -hmm. um, if they've never committed any other crime here, um, have been convicted of any other crimes here, if they have really strong family ties and are unlikely to flee, the only reason they really assign bond is to make sure that you're going to come back to your hearings. Right. Um, so they figure like if you have a family here, if you have a job here, if you haven't committed any other crimes, you're probably going to come back. Okay. Um, so that's in the case that they're letting people out of. Jail. Okay. Um, so it sounds more like. I mean, those, those people would have been given a bail anyway, right? Generally speaking. Like, certainly, like, the low-level criminals before, they would have been given a bail, and if they could meet it, they could leave, right? For whatever the term is before they have to come back for trial. Yeah. Now the difference is they don't have to meet a bail level. Right. And yeah. that's for people who, you know, we're having people stay in jail for months on a hundred dollar cash only right. in a bond which is yeah. like we're going to keep someone in jail for months because they can't pay a hundred dollars doesn't seem fair so part of that is trying to um, yeah address the, the really indigent people okay yeah. and do we know what kind of effect that's having like in terms of uh, I mean is the rise in crime at all associated with that or, or is there any kind of a way to tell what the effect of that is at this point? I think people point to it as being a factor, but I haven't seen any concrete research on it yet, and it has only gone into effect, I think, at the beginning of the year. Oh, okay. We just voted so on it long. not long ago. Um, okay. We've only voted on it in November. Um, crime was certainly rising before that. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's difficult at this point to say how that, right. that affected anything. Um, and the really bad, you know, the people who are charged with really terrible crimes are still, the DA can still ask them, ask the judge to like, keep them in jail okay. until um, until trial. And sometimes those people are, and sometimes those people aren't um, being kept in jail. But it kind of depends on the judge. The judge has more leeway to kind of decide. That right, okay. Points, that makes sense. So this is yeah. putting it more firmly in the hands of judges, it sounds like. Yes, but also the DA. Like, there's so many okay. moving parts. Um, right. So the judge never is just sitting up there kind of saying, you've got to go, you have to stay. You know, like, it's all dependent on these hearings and 
evidence that's provided and evidence that the police turn over to the district attorney's office mm-hmm. and the district attorney's office presents the judge and then based on um, they have like a whole chart where they can decide who is like how you match up kind of on the dangerousness level oh, okay mm-hmm. that, but something like that <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah I think it's really oversimplifying it to say that judges are simply letting people go okay so I thought we'd now kind of now that we've uh, addressed the hopelessness of the situation and how there's no easy answer, or quick fix. Um, I thought it'd be kind of cool just to talk about your experience as a crime reporter, somebody who's doing this day in day out, uh, every day. And what what is what is it like? Uh, were you always interested in in covering crime? Is this like a like a something that you were interested? Uh, was this like a goal of yours to pursue this, or uh, something that you just sort of happened to fall into? I don't think I was ever, like, super into the idea of it, Um, Mm -hmm. but I always read mystery books growing up. I loved Agatha Christie and, you know, the Hardy Boys and all of that stuff, (laughs) but, you know, um, so I definitely always kind of veered towards crime and true crime, too, like Truman Capote and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, So I'm definitely really interested from that standpoint, but I think what I really like about it is, like, it's it's a really human beat. Like, you're talking to people, ordinary people, all across the spectrum of, of life, like at the most real parts of their lives. And it's really wow. a gift that they allow us to tell their stories, that they talk to me and that they talk to any of us. Um, and I think that that really gives us a good way to, to show what's going on. Um, I had like to say that crime is the bellwether of society. And I think oh. that means like, um, you know, you can kind of tell how society is doing based on like mm-hmm. how crime is and like what people say about it. And I think that there's a lot... Mm-hmm. Um, to those everyday stories that people mm-hmm. need to tell and need to, to explore. Has it changed how you think about crime coming from, you know, reading mystery novels and true crime to actually reporting on what's going on? Um, I think it's really important to remember that these are real people. Um, that we can get kind of caught up in the salacious, terrible details mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. some some recent stories have been really salacious and really horrible and really gory and, you know, impossible to turn away from. Those are often our most read stories. Um, Always our most read stories. Yeah. Um, But this is real people. It's not like we're around the Orient Express where it's all just, like, characters. Like, it's, you know, it's real people's lives and it's important to kind of remember that and how people are reacting to it and even if it's something you don't think you'd do or you know that that person is kind of you know like you would never make that mistake it's important to remember that we're all human and we're all right. just trying to do the best we can so that's how that's I a like really good message <laughs> trying to be less judgy I guess about okay. other people's circumstances and how they got there nice. yeah <laughs> I, I feel like that there is both allure and lore of Albuquerque crime where it's, and I really love this city, but sometimes I get annoyed at art or, you know, the way things are functioning or bureaucracy. And sometimes reading a crime story, I'm like, oh, like Albuquerque can't get it together. But it like feeds the evil part of me, you know, that like is satisfied evilly somehow. Or am I just revealing myself as a really awful human being? (laughs) But I feel like that's how people read Albuquerque crime and talk about crime. And that it has such a, you know, as a seven-year, eight-year 
arrival, I think it has a reputation nationally, even though it was doing really well in the 2000s, it sounds like, as a crazy crime place. Not just crime, like Chicago, I feel like, I'm like, oh, that has a lot of crime. But Albuquerque is crazy crime. And I don't know if that is part of the appeal of it, or not appeal, but you know, there's something, like if this was a totally safe town, would it be a different place? That's not to say I don't want any crime to happen to anyone or me. Right. The cosmos, don't give me that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think there's like a lot of bravado that comes to being from like the place where Breaking Bad is filmed. And you know, you yeah. can talk about it and you can be like, yeah, like, you know, all this crazy stuff happens here, only in Albuquerque. No, probably not too. I have to say that uh, the Albuquerque Journal recently published a map of all the worst crime spots in town, and my neighborhood was part of the number one worst crime spot in town. It's southeast uh, Albuquerque. And it was a mixture of, um, like, I wanted to argue with it, because, of course, like, we talked about this. You and I live in the same neighborhood, at least, right? Like, so it's sort of just an anomaly that we're included in that. And yet there was also a little bit of me that was a little bit proud of that. I was like, yeah. yeah. So now I can talk about like crime in Albuquerque. And if people are like, well, you just, you know, you live in some insulated knob hill. I'm like, no, I live in the number one worst spot in Albuquerque, you know, so my opinion counts more now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to use the same thing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Right. She was just on the street. You should get buttons. <laughs> right. Crime. Crime in the area. So, um, you know, we, we talk about the crazy crime aspect of it. And so there's definitely, God, I don't really know how to talk about this exactly because like you were saying, it's important to remember that there's, these are very human stories and yet sometimes they're just so off the, the wall that it almost becomes like, it becomes like a like a legend or something that you're telling your friends about. I mean, have you? Okay, so have you encountered what like have you encountered any particularly crazy stories that aren't ultimately tragic? I was gonna say yes until you got to the, the uh, ultimately arts. tragic. <laughs> ultimately tragic. I think. Okay. Every crazy story is very tragic, uh, um, but kind of the story that it like you know, exploded on the internet because Drudge picked it up and they used a, a terrible photo to go with it, like a jihadi, but we had a man who was decapitated and found behind Walmart naked, also missing um, some other body parts. Yeah. And um, that story went viral in a crazy way. Drudge picked it up and they had these like horrible images of masked jihadists that w- they were saying what? responsible. They were saying it was jihadis? Yeah. Wow. Um, so. I, hmm. So yeah. what, what did that. I don't think it was jihadis. So what, what happened? <laughs> what, what's the story there? So do we know what happened? We don't really know what happened, but we know a little bit about what happened. It was this man, Clifford Miller, um, since mid-40s. He, um, he was living in Oklahoma. I talked to his, his sister-in-law, um, or his ex-sister-in-law maybe. And uh, she said that he moved out here a couple of months before his death. He was killed in December. He moved out here looking for work. He had some job offers. Um, it sounded like it kind of dried up. I don't know if he 
lost the job or if it turned out to not really be as good of a job as we thought it was going to be or whatever. But he was living in some hotels and I, ended up, I um, talked to a good friend of his who actually met him um, and they used to, you know, drink beers and smoke cigarettes together, just kind of hang out. And um, he was really torn up about it. Just, you know, his friend and he's, sure. you know, by all accounts, just kind of got a man that's down on his luck and didn't, yeah. you don't know why this happened to him. It has not been solved. Right. Um, Albuquerque is not known for jihadis. They're not known for jihadis. But um, everyone's saying maybe it's the cartel, but yeah, okay. knowing that he's just a homeless man right. in Albuquerque from Oklahoma, I don't know. There's not really like a like a good way to read that story, of course. You can be like, well, it wasn't jihadis, and that's good. <laughs> we don't have an ISIS cell here. And if it's not the cartels, then right. that's probably good because they're not acting violently. But then that kind of leaves like, just totally random violent against violence against the homeless, which is totally horrific in itself. Right. Yeah. But it's definitely one of those stories that because it got so much notoriety, I, I was picked. Up, it was picked up by Snopes. Actually, Snopes uh, did an article on whether oh, wow. or not it was true, and they cited my article. And oh, nice. There was proof that it was. The Albuquerque Journal actually talked to Clifford Miller's sister-in-law, and yeah. that's proof that it's true. So that was fun. I've never been verified by Snopes. Before. There you go. Yeah. So fake news. Actually, I think that I think I think some people would say that means you are fake news now. Um, so yeah, people hate Snopes now. You haven't seen this? No. Oh, there's a whole um, more extreme right wingers uh, have um, launched a sort of campaign against Snopes, saying that they're uh, purposefully publishing articles that make their causes look bad. <laughs> because they're fake, you know? Oh, man. So, anyway. I have no idea. <laughs> according to some people now, you are officially fake news, and according to most, eyes. I think, most, well, uh, reasonable people. Yes. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's pretty cool. That's how it all goes there, right? Like yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I feel like the one thing I asked some colleagues today, what do you want to know about Albuquerque crime? And they said, what do I do as a citizen to yes. protect, prevent you know, feel somewhat like I have an agency and what's going to happen to me. And they've had stuff stolen from them, and I think one has cameras, but I think they were wanting some more. Leave your your car door unlocked. That's ties. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's my only tip, and it's so defeatist. It's... (laughs) Yeah, they're just gonna steal from you. But um, go ahead, Elise. No what do you What do you think? Rage. Or don't participate in road rage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say that's probably a big one. Um, I mean, I like the leave the car doors unlocked. My car doors <laughs> unlocked one time, and I got broken into. So therefore, one hundred percent of you gotta know. deal with the insurance company and get your window yeah. fixed. And yeah, you know, these, um, anything else that we can um, do? I don't know. I mean, police definitely have PSAs every once in a while saying, you know. Lock your car doors, actually. Oh. <laughs> um, or don't have things obviously in the front seats, you know? Maybe yeah. don't keep your expensive electronics on the passenger side. Right. Uh, or anywhere in the car where it's visible. Um, I don't know. What I guess if, cameras are a good idea. I guess, you know, the, the kind of crime that I worry about the most is somebody breaking into my house. Um, is there a good deterrent for that? A dog. Maybe. A dog? I think oh, a dog, a dog yeah. Okay. Um, or a really loud cat. A really loud. <laughs> Maybe a puma. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get a bear. <laughs> get a bear. I have two really loud dogs, and it is kind of comforting when they, I mean, on the one hand, they freak out every time somebody jogs by, 
And yet every once in a while you're like, good, I'm glad you're barking at that guy. Because, you you know, that guy, you see that guy and you're like, I don't know who that guy is, but I don't want him thinking that I don't have dogs. So I'm glad that he knows I have dogs now. Yeah. 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 Uh, But I think the road rage thing, too, like, it does seem like everyone has guns. Yeah. And um, it's not worth losing your life over. And it's probably best for many confrontations just to kind of walk away. As defeatist as that is, as well, that kind of yeah. doesn't feel good. But at least you don't. What do you lose <laughs> from walking away from that, though? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's too late. <laughs> um, you said that there were a fair number of like uh, shootings and so forth connected with road rage incidents. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a really famous one um, in 2015. There was a four-year-old girl, Lily Garcia, who was um, her dad just picked her up from daycare. Or kindergarten she was on her way home and he got in a road rage fight um, with this guy Tony Torres who then pulled out a gun and fired at the car several times and ended up killing Lily um, so that was a really horrible thing I feel like it really yeah. kind of shook everybody and still see like bumper stickers yeah. that say like you know just breathe with her face on it right um, so that was the you know the really high profile example but we listen to the scanner all day and I hear about road rage things a couple times a week. I remember the guy who, who killed Lily. Mm-hmm. He was a kid. He was like 19 years old and like not, you know, you, you kind of have this idea of, of who, who would be firing off their gun and, you know, I don't know, they'd be some kind of hardened criminal, but it just seemed like he was a 19-year-old stupid kid who uh, got caught up in the moment and was carrying his gun and kind of went off, mm-hmm. you know, and that probably would have been a good idea for him to take a few breaths instead of reaching for his gun. Yeah, right. Um, he was a little older. Was he? he? Was, uh, I think he was 30. Um, oh, okay. But, I, but Whatever, otherwise... Whatever, fuck <laughs> Otherwise, it is, I think that's absolutely true. I listened to his tapes right after, like, they yeah. released the interview of, um, with him from police, and he's just kept on being like, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to shoot anyone, you know? And yeah. Like, if you're gonna fire a gun, you do have to be prepared for that. But I think it's easy. Maybe it's easy to forget that that's gonna happen, yeah. and then yeah. you could ultimately be responsible for a really stupid moment taking someone else's life. Right. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't think he. I, I don't think at all he meant to kill a child. Yeah. That right. He just wanted to show what masculinity, force, yeah. dominance of the situation. You know, something yeah. really. Detached from killing a four-year-old poor guy. And he will say, he, I mean, he said there's self-defense. He said he was scared for his life, that he felt like he was getting run off the road by Lily's father. Uh, um, so. Yeah, yeah. So certainly it seems like maybe maybe if everybody involved had been a little calmer. Yeah. I mean, there's no excuse for killing a child, obviously, but maybe that situation could have been avoided. Yeah. But then, like, six months after that, I wrote another story where no one got killed. Those two fathers picking up their kids in five elementary school, and before they picked up their kids, they opened fire on each other because they cut each other off. Dude. No one got hit, oh. but, like, I talked to the woman who was in the car, the, the wife of one of the men, and she was just like, I don't know how I can get in a car again. Like, I'm yeah. terrified of the world. Like, right. Not just, like... Yeah, yeah. And, you know, anybody who's been behind the wheel of a car has known that white hot rage that flares up at different points Uh, yeah I I don't know yeah yeah Yeah, suddenly Hmm. you have to get everywhere much faster I know it's 
So we talked about the uh, the decapitated guy. Are there any other crimes that are kind of like mischaracterized, but in people's minds, you think? Anything that was sort of blown out of proportion or just misunderstood as, as far as what was going on that you've seen, seen reported or written about yourself or anything? Hmm. I don't know. I think that there's certain like classifications of crimes like that. Um, we just had um, one of the investigative journalists at the journal, he did this piece on armed robbery and just in talking to him about it, he'd say like, you know, armed robbery when people don't get, get shot, you know, if it ends well, I guess, you know, a robber comes in, points a gun at a clerk, the clerk gives him the money, it's not the clerk's money, you know, it's just yeah. Walmart or wherever, um, but that's it's classified as not so serious of a crime, but, like, the people who are looking down the barrel of the gun don't feel that way, you know, like, even if yeah. they don't get shot, you know, like, then maybe we need to be taking some of these crimes more seriously, um, mm. and how much, like, psychological damage you can have on that um, so I'd say like in terms of that I think sometimes mm-hmm. you know cases are, are mischaracterized um, yeah one of my students was held up at Starbucks she was working at Starbucks yeah. and she wrote it's a class about comics and she wrote a comic a zine really about the experience and none of the and we all pass them out you know yeah. it was very she was clearly you know traumatized by having a gun pointed at her and just not knowing what to do, not knowing what would happen to her. And we're thinking like, oh man, that would be awful. Yeah. Even though, right, he took the money and he left and didn't. She probably didn't lose anything herself. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. But it is an actual threat of murder with apparently the ability to carry it out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then other, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I wrote about this kid who'd been charged with murder for, um, he was 14, he was really young, um, he was in a car, in a stolen car, um, with a woman who was working as a prostitute, and um, this guy kind of came down and had tried to chase him away, um, and he ended up dragging the guy down the street, and the guy died. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really horrible, and like, you know, like he's here, a 14-year-old kid charged with murder for like running this guy down. Yeah. It sounds really horrible. Um, so I called his mom, because um, that's what I do. Um, so I called his mom, and um, she told me that she actually, the same like, the same day that he was arrested, her other son, who was 15 uh, or 16, he shot himself. And so he'd also oh. killed him. And they'd all been living at the Desert Sands Motel. Yeah. And oh. that was that week that motel oh. burned down. Um, right, and... Can I give away the... Yeah, give away the... All right, so this this woman turned out to be the woman who was held hostage by David Parker Ray, the serial killer. uh, I think he's called the Toy Box Killer in Elephant Butte. Really grotesque. And she's the one who actually got away from him and brought the police down on him, you know, in my mind, saving lives and, and so forth. Totally. But also, like, wow, what a terrible life she's lived and then her children you know it's like this this cycle is so clearly apparent in in her story that cycle of violence and poverty and Mm -hmm. you know being exposed to crime perpetrated crime yeah yeah i think she did like an amazing thing right she was able to escape from this serial killer and like in a pretty heroic way if you read about exactly what she did and i can't remember specifically but i mean she was like she was really smart about it, you know, she yeah. was cagey and she got away and, you know, was able to, um, 
was able to to basically save people's lives down the road. If she hadn't gotten away, other people would have been killed and tortured by this man, you know. Right. And then and yet she doesn't. She's not able to escape this cycle of, of poverty. She's living at the Desert Sands Motel, which is a, was a really skeezy motel, you know. Yeah. Looked like that would be a great place to go and get meth, right? And I'm sure you yeah. could. And that's maybe why it burned down. I don't even know. I remember that was one of the yeah. rumors. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then her one son kills someone on the same day that her other son wow. gets murdered, the you know, yeah. the same week. Well, mm-hmm. and I think her other son, there was a, a debate about whether or not it was a murder or a suicide, but I think it probably was a suicide or an accident. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. But Still, just the level, the amount of tragedy that, that the people in this family have yeah. been involved with, it's unreal. And, you know, it's so easy to sit back and, like, it might middle-class life and you know I had somebody throw a rock through my child's bedroom window once and that sucked and I hated it um but you know I've never been exposed to the kind of like absolute horror that these people have you know and it's like it just it's like once once that happens it seems like it gets really hard to get out of it you know yeah yeah and you know I think that a lot of us like to sit back and say like well I would never let my 14 year old do that I would you know I would know where he I would right. do this. Um, but I think it gets more complicated when you're trying to hold down minimum wage jobs and working yeah. all night. And, and yeah, I think it's all, I guess it just comes back to it's not that easy. Right. <laughs> We're all just right. trying to do the best we can, however, yeah. doing it. Do you think it's important to look at kind of these stories with a bit of sympathy and empathy? Yeah. I yeah. think that's like, yeah, I think that's the whole reason I want to do this job. Like, I think it's like, it's never as easy as it's going to look on the charging documents. Um, it's never as easy as bad person kills good person. Um, yeah. Yeah. And really think about how people got there, and that really speaks to what we're all doing here and what we're all... I don't know, I feel like it's... Yeah, I think it's really important, <laughs> I guess. So you're pro-crime. <laughs> pro-crime. <laughs> it keeps me busy. You know? <laughs> Otherwise, what would I do? Do you need a few, like, zany crimes? Like, oh... I lost my cat. It found a family of skunks. You know, something. Something. Something kind of. One of those cat skunk related yeah, crimes yeah. they read about. I, I find myself, I'm slightly obsessed with the raccoon oh, God, yeah. issue going on in this city right now because I feel like there's some some violence that I can enjoy. <laughs> I can be like, yeah, What's raccoons. Raccoon, you haven't heard of. Oh, oh. We've talked about it. Raccoon again in 2017. <laughs> There's, I don't know, there's some kind of explosion in population of, of raccoons, and they're breaking into everyone's yards, and as far as I can tell, mostly eating their turtles. Everybody oh. has turtles in Albuquerque, <laughs> which I didn't know about, and I only know this because everybody's turtles getting eaten by raccoons. But I had a raccoon come and kill uh, three of my chickens. Oh, wow. um, it, was, it was really horrific, but it, it, it is a little, you know, raccoons generally don't hurt people. Uh... They don't usually, I don't know, they, maybe they have tragic lives, but <laughs> I'm not privy to what that might be. Right. So I can be like, raccoon again, and it, I can enjoy the raccoon yeah. crime wave. But, but. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, my, uh, my coworker, Nicole Perez, um, a couple of years ago, she wrote about 
a man who was charged with stealing his mother's pistole. Oh, I remember that. Yes. I feel like that was also relatable, right? Like, yes. Was, she well, pressed charges. <laughs> at least you had enough. Well, it, yeah, it was funny because it was like there was a history there. Right? Yeah. Like, and he, he wasn't like a great, like there was a reason she didn't want him coming over to eat right. <laughs> But her pistole is really good. And the yeah. poor guy just really wanted <laughs> It's very relatable. So he broke his his uh, restraining order to come and get the pasole. But yeah. I want to try that pasole. Yeah. Worth stealing? Yeah. Well, do you think there's, should we, anything else you want to ask uh, Elise while we're. I can't think of anything. Thank you. I feel. I feel better. I feel at ease. You do know, you we really? About <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you think there's any? Uh, is there anything kind of that we haven't covered that you'd want to add on here, or? I don't think so. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, thank you so much for frightening me and somehow reassuring Nora. Um, I don't know. I'm coming I, off as a real sociopath. I guess you know what I feel like is I feel like when you talk about the human element to the crimes in a way that does make it a little less scary because that makes it a little bit more like, okay, these are people like me in many ways who are mostly dealing with situations that I don't have to deal with that are kind of reacting. And, and for the most, I mean, we're talking nine people in a year in Albuquerque who are, I mean, I'm not saying those other people were asking for it, but you know, if you're engaged in certain kinds of, lifestyle and crime and so forth, then it becomes way more likely that you would be a victim of, a, of that kind of crime. And um, right. I think, you know, the kind of crime I worry about is the, is the random, someone's just going to come and kill me and my family for no reason. Sure. Um, and that's really rare. Right? That is very rare. Yeah, yes. exactly. So, so take that message away. <laughs> it is very rare. Yeah. So, and thank you so much for, for coming and giving us a little bit more of a, of a context for what's, what's going on here. Um, I do still wish that you had been super reassuring <laughs> and told us that there really wasn't a crime problem or that we could solve it by having brighter streetlights or darker streetlights or, or whatever. But I do think that the brighter streetlights can't hurt. Yeah. It does seem like a good plan. Yeah. The, like, uh, all around the LED ones? Yeah. Yeah, or like any street. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that sounds good. Good enough. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So thank you for having me on. Turn on those streetlights. Thank you. And uh, you can read Elise Kaplan's work uh, pretty much every day in the journal, right? Is this every day? Or? Uh, I'd like to say it's not every day, but it's a lot. Probably every day. Yeah. Okay. Um, do, you, do you do any other kind of projects or anything? that? And thanks again to our guest, Elise Kaplan. Uh, you can also follow her on Twitter, where she posts information about crimes happening in Albuquerque. Uh, she is at Elise Cap NM. That's E L I S E K A P N M uh, for New Mexico on your Twitter machine. We've got a couple of events coming up that uh, you guys might be interested in in coming to. Um, you can see us at the. Mini Maker Fair this weekend, that's uh, August 26th and 27th, uh, Saturday and Sunday, at Balloon Fiesta Park. We'll have a booth there. And then on Sunday, we'll be doing some interviews with various of the makers uh, live for an audience, uh, probably around noon on Sunday. So if you want to come and see us uh, actually 
do a show, uh, you can do so there and then. Um, also, September 23rd is going to be New Mexico Podscape, New Mexico's very first podcast festival. And we are going to be featuring uh, all kinds of uh, local podcasts, including... Uh, hold on one second. Let me just pull that up. Including, well, City on the Edge, of course. Uh, Potential Problems podcast. Ten Drink Minimum. Alba Crazy. Our friends at Breaking Math. Squaring the Strange. Women, Wit, and Wine. Dead Things podcast. Dating and Other Paths to Suicide. And uh, the Self Serve uh, Sex podcast is going to be there as well. So mark your calendar. We don't have the the full schedule nailed down yet, but it's going to be September. 23rd um, at the Albuquerque Press Club from noon till midnight. So you should uh, you should plan on arriving and seeing us there uh, between those hours. And of course, thank you to our patrons. As always, you guys are the best, and your names are Joshua Hayland, Lando Enchantment. Uh, I see. I think that's a uh, I think that that's the um, the guy who was posting weird uh, Star Wars memes before that we couldn't quite figure out. So Lando Enchantment, I like that one. That's a good one. So uh, April, Rachel Langer, Julie Bannerman, Amy Nevitt, Christopher Holden, David Taggart, Jim Robillard, Jesse Crawford, Ryan Schiff, Ben Tucker, Sierra Nets, Jessamine, Christopher Suski, Courtney Fitzgerald, Farrell M. Smith, Amy Gabe, Roland Pentela, I now know how to pronounce his name correctly, I hope, uh, Isaac Clark and Sandra Dodd, thank you guys so very much. And if you'd like to, uh, to help us out um, via a small monthly commitment, you can go visit us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash City on the Edge. And uh, you can donate as little as $1 a month or as much as $1.5 billion a month. Uh, and we will happily um, be, we'll just be extraordinarily grateful for your contribution. It really does make a huge difference. It's, it's allowed us to, uh, uh, to update our, our equipment and it's allowed us to promote ourselves and get the word out to other people who might not have known about our podcast but might be interested. And uh, we're really super thankful so thank you again and oh my gosh i almost forgot we actually have some some uh, rare uh non-patreon donors this month to thank uh that's hilma china with thank you so much for your contribution and uh, and stephen bishop who we had the uh, pleasure of meeting and sitting down with and um uh doing some stuff with which was wonderful so thank you guys too and thank you all just for listening of course um you know that's really what this is all about. Is we want to uh, we want to get Albuquerque stories out there, and if you guys are listening, we are happy to keep telling those stories. So until next time, thank you so much. Mm-hmm.